Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. Good morning, everybody. I am Janice Leibovitz, and you are our People of the Book. Another jam-packed show here for you today. Hope you all had a great week. We are going to be chatting everything books as usual. And I've got a couple of book reviews for you this morning. I had the privilege of attending the Penguin Random House Showcase earlier this week where they gave us a bird's eye view of everything we can expect for the next few months from, I think it was January to June. So um, I know I had Viz from Penguin Random House in studio with me a couple of weeks ago and he chatted, I think, about 10 books or so. But this was um, a lot more than just the 10 books he spoke about. It was quite a varied look at books, um, fiction, nonfiction, local, nature, travel, cookery. So I'll mention another couple of books that they think are going to be on their bestseller list for the beginning of the year, the first half of the year. I also have a fabulous in-studio guest. I'm thrilled to have Veloshni Nadu with me this morning, and she has just launched a really interesting book and I've had a chance to skim through the book. It's called Money Smart, How to Be Finance Savvy and Live a Wealthy Life. Welcome to you, Veloshni. Good morning, Janice. Thank you very much and thank you for having me in studio. It is a pleasure and I really need to congratulate you on the book launch. You had a launch last night. So yes. congratulations on your, your launch. It's very recent and very new. Yes. So congratulations on that. It's an amazing achievement to, to launch a book, especially locally. It's, it's not something that everyone's able to achieve. So really, I congratulate you on this fabulous achievement. And I've had a chance to skim through this book. Yes. And I have to say, and I know it's been said before, and I have read a few of the online comments about the launch from people who, who were able to be there. And I think this should be a school set work. Yes. And we're going to chat a bit about this later. As I say, I have a couple of other things to discuss. We're going to have a chance to chat about this. And I think this is something, probably a whole show needs to be dedicated, or there should be a weekly show <laughs> about yes. finance. But, and we're going to chat about the book later and about the way it's, it's constructed and the mm -hmm. way, the structure of the book. But, um, yes, we're going to talk to Veloshni later. I'm thrilled that she's here with me and that she's had the time because I think in the coming weeks you're going to be extremely busy. So thank you for setting aside some time to be with me this morning. Thank you very much, Janice. In the meantime, I have two book reviews from one of our trusty book reviewers, Sarah Cohen. And to all of you who are in my Chai book club who feel neglected, I really do apologize. Believe it or not, um, the year is only getting started now with, with new books and incoming books. So in the next week or so, you are going to be hearing from me about books for review. So look forward to that. Um, there's some very interesting stuff coming in that I'm expecting, and I will be emailing you about books that you'll be able to review. So stand by for that. It's going to get very interesting. So the first book that Sarah reviewed for me was a book that really sounded fascinating, horrific, but fascinating. And it's called Not Child's Play. And I'm going to read her review for you after this break. I love it 
This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I'm back, and as I was saying before the break, I'm going to read you a review from Sarah Cohen about one of our books that she read. Um, as always, you can reach us by SMS on 34519 if there's anything in particular that you'd like to let us know about. Or on Telegram, 0618951019. And as always, we'd love to hear from you in the studio if there's anything you would like to say to us. So this review, as I said, Not Child's Play. And I'll tell you what this book is about. This is Sarah Cohen's review. In 1990, Dave Muller sails to Mozambique with his wife Sandy and two young children, Seth and Tammy as he hopes to fulfill a boyhood dream of voyaging to the tropics. He spent 10 years building the yacht on which they sailed. The fantasy holiday comes to a terrible end when the yacht runs aground on a stretch of beach near the Bazaruto Islands. They're waiting for high tide to refloat their vessel when suddenly a patrol of five child soldiers armed with AK-47 rifles arrive, along with their two adult captives, whom they later massacre. The young boy pirates ransack the yacht. Now, I have to just comment on here. Um, initially, when they were approached by these children, they thought that they were simply children approaching them on the beach. Can you imagine their horror when they realized that these children were armed with AK-47s? When you, you're approached on a beach by what you think are innocent children playing on a beach and realize that these are child soldiers, can you imagine the horror that Dave and his family must have experienced? Carrying on from there, a not child's play brilliantly portrays the mother's nightmare of seven weeks as hostages of Renamo, a militant resistance organization in Mozambique. Dave and Sandy, ever protective of their children, come close to collapse and are plagued by both mental and emotional strain. The fear of violence and death never leaves them. Twice, the camp in which they are held is attacked by the warring government forces for Limo. And obviously those of you who um, were around at this time will remember the war between Renamo and Frelimo. It was constantly in the news, and those names were, were names that were constantly repeated at the time. After 49 days, the family becomes strangely comfortable in their captivity, even bonding with their captors. The Mullers' eventual release, rescue, involved a covert operation by the SA Navy and Navy SEALs, and is a compelling story that Hollywood action movies are made of. Dave based his gripping book on a diary which he wrote during the ordeal and a journey which no sailor or their family would like to undergo. It leaves the reader spellbound throughout the adventure, hazardous though it was, and allowed the author and his family a level of catharsis in the telling of this remarkable tale. And, I mean, I'm sure it was a horrific ordeal. And to be able to even keep a diary when you're going through something like that must have taken huge strength of character and, and huge courage to, to be able to, to write down what he was feeling, what they were going through. He obviously realized this was something that needed, would need to be told. And, um, God forbid they wouldn't have made it through. Hopefully someone would have found it afterwards, but thank God they did make it through. And he was able to publish this. As, as a memoir and, and as a, a recapture of what they went through. 
And it sounds like it's fascinating reading. It's called Not Child's Play. It's by Dave Muller and is available in stores. Thank you, Sarah Cohen, for reviewing that. The next book that Sarah reviewed for us, very interesting book, called Between the Menorah and the Fever Tree. And it's by um, a local author who doesn't actually live in South Africa. His name is Eldred Chimowitz. I don't know if he's known to any of you, but it's a fiction novel set in Southern Africa and depicts the Jewish-African experience tracing the story of its protagonist, Chungle, from boyhood in the 1950s Rhodesia to youth in 1960s South Africa during the apartheid era and finally to America. Alternately funny and touching, Chimowitz's first novel sets a story of family, friendship and identity against a backdrop of political and cultural upheaval. It is a story told with uncompromising honesty, sometimes poignant and witty. And Mark J. Kaplan, Kaplan, who's an Emmy Award-winning documentary filmmaker, said, It transported me back to a time of innocence, shot through with shards of anger and fear. Aldrich Chimowitz is now a professor of chemical engineering at the University of Rochester in New York, and he was born in Rhodesia, obviously it's now Zimbabwe, and he was educated in South Africa. Although it's a work of fiction, says Sarah, it appears to describe the era from the experience of the author. She says that it is quite lengthy and filled with many historical references. She found herself flipping back and forth to maintain the trail of the story, and she found that it took quite a bit of perseverance to remain to the end. She would recommend it for the reader who has time to meander down a path of youth and innocence and says that it's not really a light work of fiction. So it sounds like it's quite a dense read. Um, I, I think when authors write stories like this, they are using them as quite cathartic works. They are trying to expel feelings of, I'm not sure whether it's, Resentment or trying to, to expel any feelings from their youth or trying to just relieve themselves of, of any feelings that they, they have of trying to get through something that they, they went through when they were young and need to get onto the page. So I'm not sure whether they, they were positive or negative experience. I admit I haven't read the book. As I say, this was Sarah Cohen's review, but it sounds like it's quite quite a heavy read like she says it's not light telling and quite long and lengthy and she found herself having to go backwards and forwards to maintain the thread of the story so this is um, between the menorah and the fever tree and it's by Eldred Chimowitz so a local story by an ex-South African now living in the States thank you Sarah for your as always, honest and thorough reviews. I really do appreciate it. And remember, if you want to join the Chai FM Book Club, it's open to anyone and everyone who loves reading. As I say, at the moment, books have been a bit thin on the ground. There haven't been many, there hasn't actually been much um, early this year to review, but in the next couple of weeks, we are expecting quite a bit. You can email me at books at chaifm.com. I would love to hear from you. And 
Always remember you can SMS us on 34519 or you can reach us on Telegram 061-895-1019. If there's anything you would like to say, if there's anything you'd like to comment on, if there's a book that you think our listeners should be reading, if there's something you read that you thoroughly enjoyed, that you would love others to enjoy, please do let me know. It's the beginning of the year, and as I say, new books are coming into the stores now, and there's a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to at this time of year when publishers start to bring in new stuff. As I say, I went to the Penguin Random House um, showcase the other night of books that are coming out between... January and June this year. There's some very interesting things to look forward to. Um, cookery books. There's a, a Sarah Graham. I know she's quite a popular chef. I think she has a TV show on the Food Network. No advertising for them. But um, Supernatural. I know natural, plant-based, vegan. It's very popular these days. I know to a lot of people the word vegan is a swear word. But it is very popular. And her book Supernatural is one to look forward to that was mentioned during the launch. I mentioned earlier I'm in studio with Veloshni Nadu, and after the break I'll be chatting to her about her new book, Money Smart. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I'm back in studio and thrilled to have my guest Veloshni Nadu here with me. After her launch last night of her brand new book, Money Smart. And Veloshni, as I said, it's a huge achievement to publish a book in South Africa. And I know that nonfiction books are very popular for some reason in our country. And it's actually quite difficult to publish a fiction book. But this book in particular, I think, is going to be an extremely valuable book. I think especially for young people. I'm not sure who in particular you were aiming this at. I think... Well, everyone, but but did you have a particular market that you were aiming this at? Um, good morning again, Janice. Thank you very, very much. Um, not in any particular market, not a particular target market. I think all of us as individuals, we're not taught about finance throughout our lives. We, we purchase items. We don't understand budgeting. We don't understand property purchases and so forth, you know. And for me, the key point in the book is not to do experiential learning when you buy a purchase or after you buy a purchase. It's really about planning your purchases thoroughly, understanding what you can afford, what you can't afford, as well as um, ensuring that you achieve your goals throughout your financial life on this planet. Yes, the millennials are certainly uh, one of the key target markets simply because they are the new generation. They basically have the money, but they also don't have the know-how. I speak about uh, planning your, your budgets. I speak about creating your own shopping brand, all the social pressures that millennials undergo currently, which obviously the older generation has not uh, experienced. Those are the type of things that millennials need to understand. They need to have and identify with a brand which is really their own rather than identifying with multiple shopping brands and so forth in, in retail stores. Now, having said that, I am not saying that, uh, you know, people shouldn't buy items. What my book suggests is that you should have a plan in relation to what you like, what appeals to you, 
and have the plan as a greater backing and support instead of having buying on appeal, on emotional appeal, when you see something in the shop. That is really the gist of the book. There are key, uh, three key themes in the book. The one is obviously the plan and the goals. How do you go about setting in place your goals? What are the foundations for goals? How do you attain these goals through using the principles, the laws of nature as we know it, or right. the universal laws? So it's kind of uh, on the spiritual side as well, because a lot of us exist uh, merely on the, let's say, on the money side of things. But integrating the universal laws, the laws of abundance, the laws of creating what you desire, you know, creating that vision board, right? Do, doing the goals according to what you want, affirmations, whatever you require to take you to different places, um, that is definitely one of the aspirations of the book is to grow people in terms of your, your your financial wealth, but at the same time ensuring that you as an individual grow. The underlying theme there is ensuring that you grow within your means, of course, and within your budgetary constraints, but looking towards the future, a different vision, a different perspective, and attaining those goals that you so desire. So those are the two key themes. And then the third theme, obviously, is around basic purchases or it's foundational personal finance, if I can put it that way, yes. around items like buying a property, buying a vehicle, buying apparel, what you should look for, you know, um, contracts, financial well-being, um, not getting yourself into debt, or if you do, looking for the alternatives that are possible. We have many people that experience severe financial dire straits and crisis, yes. and they actually don't know where to turn. However, there are solutions available, and, you know, my message to people in dire financial strait is to actually seek out the solutions and the assistance. It is readily available. Just, just on that point, there's a lot that surrounds seeking help when you are in financial dire straits, and I think there's a lot of embarrassment that goes with seeking help. Yes. What do you, there's a lot of uh, the emotion that goes with it. Yes. And people are very reluctant to seek help. Okay. So, so I'll highlight one yeah. important point that my dad taught me, my dad who passed away a few years ago. Yes, he, I think your, your book is actually dedicated, it's dedicated to your parents. To my parents. Yes. So my dad actually said that keep your finances strictly between yourself and your bank manager. I so, think that that was, you know, I think we miss those old days where yes. there was that relationship between us and our bank managers. There was that. Personal now it's so touch. impersonal. Yes. You know, and when I go into the bank, the bank manager is either not there or the door is closed. Okay. So yes. Yes. <laughs> I think we do miss those days. There isn't a personal relationship anymore. So, so even though you do not have a personal relationship with the banks, you know, I've spent years in financial institution, institutions as well. So it's because of the electronic age that things have evolved. Mm. However, there's a variety of services that you can get from banking and financial institutions, which you, we cannot underestimate the power of these. As long as we manage our financial affairs, keep our financial affairs in order, seeking that help is from a, from a banking institution in some form or the other. Yes, I know we do get the call centers and so forth, but you do have a banking relationship, a banking um, customer services individual that's looking after you somewhere. I think people feel, though, that that only 
is attained or only available to those who are at a certain financial level. Mm. It's not available to the man in the street. So is that the case? That is not necessarily the case. Um, in fact, a lot of the great financial um, advisors come from the banking ins- institution. Um, and one should seek out a financial in- advisor who can provide services, a full, well-rounded service portfolio to yourself, suiting your business needs, suiting your personal needs, suiting your financial lifestyle requirements. So that is really not the case. Remember that banks have two sets of income that they derive, and uh, one of them is, of course, they, they lend money. So there's a big portion of money that they lend, and they the, the first-year financial institution. So you would get the best interest rates in, in terms of loans from a first-year financial institutions rather than, as we know, the second-year um, financial institutions who charge more on the interest when they lend money to you. Then the second part of the banks making money is, of course, from the investments that you put into the bank. Yes. So you don't have to be wealthy to actually go to a bank, and I would really encourage people to start off getting that financial advice as soon as possible, sooner rather than later, especially the millennial, millennials that we've spoken about. You spoke about, you've spoken about the millennials. Now, obviously I'm mistaken because I was under the impression that millennials are a far more, well, I hate this word, far more woke <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when it comes to this kind of thing, well, far more, well, they tend to believe that they are far more savvy when it comes to everything, let's yes, be honest. Yes. So I would Can think, I add on to that? Yes, I, I have a 15 year old son and he's so my financial boffin, so, so I Well, mine's not. But my, <laughs> but mine are, my teenagers are boffins on everything, they think. But, um, I, I would have thought that the millennials are a lot more savvy when it comes to being aware of, of, Saving and spending and how and where to save and spend. But you're saying not so much. I, I think some of them are goal-driven where they have a goal. For example, if they want to travel or go on a holiday, they, they're keen to actually achieve and attain that goal. So a lot of them are goal-oriented. Um, you know, the millennials, um, if one looks at the typical uh, personality of a millennial, and this is just very generally speaking, of course, it's people that want things and they want it now, you know. Yes. So, so that's a part of it. So in terms of that, the planning aspect is key. What I speak about in my book is planning for your purchases. So even if it's, for example, a new outfit that you need or some clothing that you require or car or property, one needs to plan around it. Um, and, and so the millennials are savvy in, in certain aspects, yes, but I don't think or I, I'd like to say that the book can assist with a well-rounded contribution. Yes, and bef- but before all the planning, there is, there's also a chapter on budgeting, yes. which I know for a lot of people uh, is a very dirty word. <laughs> yes. And it's funny because we were actually, <laughs> uh, I mean, this is very, like, you know, kind of, chick flick kind of thing yes. but we were discussing this at the hairdresser yesterday and there were three of us there was myself and another lady and the hairdresser and we were discussing they were they were saying about husbands and spreadsheets and and having to to say you know like if you spend on the credit card that's fine but if you spend anything in cash they have to say what they spent and it goes on the spreadsheet and they hate having to do that and 
you know, that every cent is accounted for and then someone else is saying, no, but they, they don't, they just spend and, and it's that, that whole budgeting aspect. Yes. And, and you, you've got a quote here, spending capacity determines social status and savings capacity determines wealth status. Yes. And, and that is brilliant. And I, I read somewhere recently also, there was the question, what determines who is a millionaire? And it's not just like, oh, I have a million in the bank. Great. It's sustaining that that income. It's sustaining that million and how long you can sustain having that million in the bank and retaining that wealth. And I think what you're speaking about, Janice, actually does talk to the budget. And uh, I understand your example perfectly. And when it comes to keeping records of your purchases that you spend cash on, what tends to happen is if you withdraw the money at an ATM, for example, and you spend it on items, five different items, and the next time you would spend it on, let's say, three different items, when when you record it, you're able to see where your cash money is actually being spent. Yes. And that might become, especially in today's inflationary world that we live in, that might then become uh, a vast amount of your spend, which you're not aware of if you haven't recorded it. So that becomes quite important. It's about ascertaining where you are spending your money. I speak about that as well. I say it's not required for you to keep your till slips in, in your in your or around you in your purse from a from a the universe's perspective. It's actually not that great because you're holding on to what you've already spent. Okay, so that's just one of the laws of nature. However, it's important that you record it and perhaps then you get rid of it. Record it because with the price of food, as we know today, you would assume that you take, let's say, 500 rand to go grocery shopping. You walk out with a 1,000 rand worth of goods, for example. And I think a lot of us find ourselves in that predicament today. So whilst you're thinking you might be spending a small amount on groceries or clothing, it might be bigger than you anticipate. Yes, and I think you have a chapter here, I marked it somewhere, about shopping. Yes. And strangely enough, we were talking about our teens, and I have a 17-year-old daughter, and um, gasp in horror, and she's, she often shops with friends, and she's actually quite, um, she's quite controlled yes. in, in what she buys and what she looks at. If she's shopping with friends and she wants to go and buy something in particular, yes. She will go, and if she if it's not available or if she can't find it, well, then she won't generally go and say, oh, well, I'll go buy something else. Yes. Or she won't then go and want to buy what they're buying. She's quite controlled, which I find is, is quite amazing for, for someone of that age, especially for, I suppose, a girl. Mind you, I think boys are, teenage boys are pretty much um, quite amazing shoppers these days right. as well and I find that boys clothes are actually more expensive than girls stuff yes. so um, I'm quite impressed by, by the control she exercises when she shops mm-hmm. especially with, with a bunch of girls who are of similar age to her I, I'm not sure what her friends are going and doing but I think a lot of them are actually quite similar to her they go out, they want to shop and they tend to go, they don't shop aimlessly yes. Yes. So I find that quite interesting. That That is quite uh, interesting, and she's already become a di- what we call a discerning shopper. Discernment means buying what you need, not necessarily what's 
in front of you. Yes. So sticking to what you need, sticking yes. to your and budget. Yes, and I do find that about quite a lot of them. And it's it's something that's not, as we would, we'll, we'll get to as well. And if you've just tuned in, I'm talking to Veloshni Nadu about her recently launched book, Money Smart. And if there's anything you'd like to comment on or anything you'd like to ask Veloshni in particular, you can message us on 34519 or send us a message on Telegram Oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Um, thanks so much. Hi to the people who messaged us. Hi to Taryn. Hi to the guys at Galoris A. It's great that you're listening. Um, it's lovely to have you with us. And um, we were talking about, you know, teens who go and shop. And this is not something that is taught in schools. And it really should be. You know, it's great that they teach. You know, business studies, and it's great that they teach accounting, uh, accounting and things, you know, put this in this column, that in that column. But I don't think it teaches them practical skills. And a book like this yes. is so much more practical. It actually puts something down that, that teaches you something that you can go out there and use. You have chapters on buying a car, buying a property, how to budget, how to manage income, how to navigate and negotiate contracts. I mean, these are life skills that aren't taught in life orientation. I mean, something like this should be taught in life orientation. And I know they teach lots of other things in life orientation. We're not going to go there. But um, a book like this is something that that possibly should be in a school curriculum. Mm -hmm. Definitely, most definitely. And uh, my aim was obviously to put it together to show showcase the book and to showcase the value that it can add. Um, as we know, schools' curriculums are uh, pre-planned in advance. However, at the launch, there were two very powerful individuals and um, um, my PR agent, Taryn and Bjorn, have got their details and we will be liaising with them to see how we can entrench the books as part of the school curriculum. Because I do think it's important. I do think it's important to give people the right financial foundation as they enter into adulthood. I think all of us can recall the, the time when we got our first paycheck, hey? Yeah. How much of money was that? And oh wow, what am I going to do with this? And then oh bam, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> and and then you realize you have more expenses and, and, and more responsibilities. More responsibilities. And so too, as your income capacity escalates as you earn more so too do your lifestyle um, trends follow suit and that's what happens is people get caught up in the social uh, aspect of it and as per my quotation that's exactly what I allude to is the social status and what you want to create should be a brand that is your own that says this is who I am this is what I believe in and this is my financial uh, spending habits around my lifestyle, around my social standing, and my financial lifestyle should be kept separate from that because that is where I drive my goals, I drive my aspirations, I become who it is that I want to become, whether it is traveling the world, uh, whether it, it, it is spending on buying different things that re- you really, really like, but investing in those things that add more value. You know, for example, car collectors yes. and, and those sort of things that, that appreciate in value. Um, you know, clothing, as we know, and apparel we spend a lot of money on. And ultimately, I speak about a little bit about sustainability and the planet 
And I mentioned at my launch last night that currently the world population is sitting at around 7.7 billion people. On CNN last night, um, they stated yesterday during the day, they stated that the the world population by 2050 will be 10 billion. That's a frightening statistic. It, it is a frightening statistic, and we understand all of the aspects relating to the plastic plastic waste. Plastic can only be recycled seven times. So we need to look at how much do we consume versus how much do we contribute to the planet as well. I think as individuals on this planet, it's all of our yes, responsibility. Absolutely. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I am in studio with Veloshni Nadu talking about her new book, Money Smart. If you would like to SMS us to ask Veloshni any questions about the book, you can SMS us on 34519 or send us a message via telegram on 06189 Veloshni, in your book you've got a chapter that starts off with goals. And before the show we were chatting about the book being available actually globally. It's going to be available overseas. Tell me a bit about that. Was that ever a goal? I mean, was, did you imagine that when you were writing this book and, and publishing the book? I, I did. I did uh, envisage that it would go um, to a variety of people across the globe, across the world. Um, I do see that it can add value to many people's lives. It's not an expensive book. It's available online at the moment. It's not yet in bookstores and so forth. And uh, that's obviously the next process stemming from here as to where the outlets are and so forth. But it is available on my website, which is www.money-smartbook.com. <laughs> Money dash smart book one word com. Okay. Dot com. It, dot com. It's, it's a bit hyphenated because of the, uh, you know, the, the amount of money smart, uh, right. I would uh, imagine so. Popular topics that you find. Um, and I do envisage that we would get, we will be getting lots of sales internationally. I think China, somebody in China has already requested the book and from another place at that, that happened at the launch last night. I'm still piecing all of those puzzles together as you can imagine. Um, so yes, I do hope to empower lots of people around the world and at least give them some degree of information on find foundational personal finance. And tell me also about your association with Nkosi's Haven. Yes. So Nkosi's Haven has always been close to my heart. I've known Gail Johnson for, I think, about 27-odd years. And um, I've been involved with Nkosi's Haven through my work. That's how I was introduced to Nkosi's Haven. And Gail Johnson does the most amazing work with often children, children and mothers um, who suffer from incurable diseases. She has helped and assisted and fed and grown numerous, countless children in Johannesburg. She started off in Hillbrow many years ago, and she now has, um, and Kosi's Haven is now situated in Iconoff. So Gail jo- Johnson has been one of my support mechanisms and she has helped me uh, throughout this book and therefore Nkosi's Haven will receive proceeds from this book. They are my charity of choice. I am taking them on this journey and throughout the journey of this book. That is incredible and extremely commendable and I know there isn't a chapter here about um, 
allocating funds towards fundraising, and that's a huge principle in our culture, in the Jewish yes. culture, yes. and I think in many many cultures and many religions. But um, what is what is your take on on allocating funds or income? Part of income towards fundraising and towards charities of choice. What is your take on that? What do you recommend when it comes to that? Okay, so I speak about count your blessings in the book, oh, and okay. I speak I, about. I, I do realize. I mean, as I say, I haven't read the book sure, thoroughly. I have. Sure. I've gone through it, sure. and um, I do realize that your whole approach is extremely holistic. Yes, which I, th- I find is incredible because. Um, not not knocking any accountants who might be listening or who anyone <laughs> might be associated with, but accountants and people who are money money related tend to be quite cold, rigid, <laughs> and rigid, rigid, and and people do tend to crack a lot of jokes about them, and there are a lot of jokes that are aimed in their direction about yes. being very one dimensional. But but this this approach is quite different, and it's very holistic, and and I, I do like that, and I think it will appeal to a lot of people. And which is why I'm saying go and buy this book. And we will mention the website again yes. um, at the end of the show so that people know where they can go and buy the book. But I think that will appeal to a lot of people because I think that that one-dimensional kind of money approach and that numbers approach tends to put a lot of people off. And, you know, that whole left brain, right brain concept where, oh, I'm not a money person and I'm not a this person, I'm not a that person, I'm, a, I'm an arts person and I don't do money and I don't do numbers. You know, that people don't budget that because they say, well, I'm not, I, I can't deal with that, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. But this holistic approach might appeal to people who realize that budgeting is actually for everybody and it's very necessary. It's, it's a part of life that everybody needs to embrace. Yes. Which is why I think this book is going to appeal to a huge number of people. And I think they're going to love that and they're going to love you for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it's going to change a lot of lives. Yes. Because you've, you've put that take onto it. Absolutely, absolutely. All of that, uh, I can't agree with you more, Janice, because that's really my intention is to, I aspire to help people. Um, and, you know, by the same token, you've asked about charities of choice. Yes, it's a big part, I think, of every community. You know, it's it's our responsibility to uplift the communities in which we live. Definitely. And we, and, and we know in South Africa there's lots of people who are suffering and lots of people that we could help. So, you know, it's our responsibility. You cannot create money for yourself in isolation without considering your fellow human beings. There, there would be no value value to that. It would not fulfill you as an individual as well. No, so. for sure. I mean, you can't stop at a stop street or a traffic light without being reminded of that. Yes. And I'm not even talking about large organizations that, that do fundraising. It's on every yes. single street corner. So in, we are hit with it every. in every aspect of our everyday living. Yes. And, and to add on to that, you know, the one observation I've noticed is that over the last two years, you know, um, the, the the very beggars on the street corners, I've noticed how thin they've become. You know, if you think of them a few years ago, five, six years ago, they were pretty healthy. So really it shows how much more we need to contribute to our society. So, you know, whatever in whatever fashion suits you, yes. I don't necessarily hand out money at, at robots because of past experiences, bad experiences, which we won't go into. However, I can cause his haven, I will do. Every now and again, you know, I would buy somebody who I feel needs 
groceries or yes. help or just supporting people with their issues, be it personal or financial. I've got this whole network of people that help me and we help each other yes. in every aspect of our life. So I just think with ev- ev- everyone just does what they can in their own capacity. Everyone absolutely. has their own capacity. I'm not asking everyone to go out and donate thousands. Absolutely. Everyone does what they're able to do. And I think whatever small gesture it is yes. makes a difference in someone's life. Definitely. And I think to add on to that, you know, even though we're moving a bit away yes, from money we smart, are. <laughs> we are, uh, we are. But I think it's important that we as people, as South African citizens and global citizens, that we support each other. You know, we see so much of strife in the world these days, the wars, the crime, all of that. And, and all the negativity is sensationalized through the media. We actually need to sensationalize good things that people are doing, you know. And I agree with you 100%. And we need to start, as you say, sensationalizing kindness. Kindness, generosity, yes. uh, warmth, assistance, support, those sort of things. I agree with you 100%. Okay. I love it when you this is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I'm back in studio and we are wrapping up now with my guest Veloshni Naidu talking about her brand new book Money Smart, which is, as I've discovered, a global look, um, um, a holistic look at being finance savvy and living a wealthy life. And if you want to know more about this, you can follow Veloshni on Twitter at... Um, Velosh One, that's the capital V, and you can follow her on Twitter. Do you have an Instagram? Yes, I do. Feed Instagram, as well, Instagram. Instagram feed Velosh Nina, I do. Okay, and Veloshni that's um, V I L O C H A N E E. Naidu, N-A-I-D-O-O. That's good. Follow her on Instagram just to follow her journey and follow the journey of her book, Money Smart, which I think is going to be going very far. And if you want to buy the book, at the moment it's not available in stores, but you can get it on her website, which is www.money-smartbook.com. Did I get that right? Yes, that's absolutely correct. Okay, so you will be able to buy it there at the moment. It will be in stores soon. We're hoping, but it all depends on my publicity as well. I I know that the stores... um, it's not a, not easy. Actually. It's not easy at all. I agree with you. Yes. I know that um, it is a tough journey. And was this self-published? It was pa- self-published. So let me give you a bit of background. I've been on this journey for about two and a half years together with Jerry Roberts. Jerry Roberts from Black, Blackheart Books in the USA published my book. So oh, that, wow. that is my publishing house. And um, so we're looking at all the e-channels of distribution as well, probably Amazon at some stage, um, and possibly a few more channels, but uh, those those are things that will follow, obviously. Okay, so I, I think this is... This is just the beginning of a very, very long and exciting journey that that's going to take off for you, I think. Thanks. And I'm quite privileged and honored to be here at the beginning of it yes. with you. Yes, you are actually my first radio interview. Oh, so wow. I'm, I'm really, really humbled. Thank you. Um, I'm really thrilled that you were able to take the time. I mean, your launch, as I say, was only last night. Yes. And um, I'm thrilled. As I say, that I, I think that this book is so beautifully structured and I think that it's it's structured in a way that I know we've said that it should be in schools and that, that this is the type of stuff that, that teens should be learning and this should be taught in schools rather than 
you know, things like put this in this column, that in that column, and, you know, all those. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget a meme, and I sent it to my, my kids who, you know, we're not a maths family. Um, love them all dearly. I'm not a maths person, you know. But I will never forget that meme that says, oh, another day gone, and I didn't use trigonometry. You know, and it's wow. so true. Um, I'm, schools, schools as valuable as, valuable as, as so much of the curriculum is, there's just so much that, that needs to be taught that isn't being taught. They need to be taught things like basic, how, you know, foundational stuff, you know, mm-hmm. how to go and, acro- and apply for a credit card, how to open a bank account, things like that. Yes. You know, we, we open bank accounts for our children, but when, when they leave school, they get their first job or they, they deposit their first paycheck. They don't know how to do that. They don't know how to teach them how to go and use an ATM. Yes. Things like that. Yes. The basics. Absolutely. Those basic skills that we take for granted. Yes. So, so we can, for the school curriculum, I envisage that there will be a lot more in terms of the technical side. So you'll notice that I didn't hone in on technical aspects like how do you open a banking account? Yes. How do you draft a contract? Um, you know, how do you do your insurance contract and so forth? Because there's detailed uh, aspects to those. But you did talk about how to negotiate a contract. Yes. How to, you know, yes. how the, the basics of, of how to approach these things. You do talk about those. Yes, I do. I and it's very necessary. Yes. So, so negotiation is quite important. And what I said at my launch last night, I will, I will reiterate that today, is that why do we not negotiate for pricing, you know, when we buy something? It's very, very important. So my background is that I come from finance. I've spent many years in finance, and I've got, I think, a 25-year career in procurement. Wow. So I've saved billions of friends for a variety of corporate um, corporates and um negotiation was a part of my role in my in my job and you know one tends always to be shy to negotiate on I was your just behalf. going to say people shy away from negotiation because I think they see it as confrontation yes and and I was one of those people at some stage in my life until I learned to take accountability and responsibility for my spending personally and to to negotiate when I can, where I can. Obviously, if it's a pick and pay and this priced article on the shelf, uh, that's no. not really the space <laughs> not, to not do it. Not going to work. Not going to work. But if you're buying a, a house, for example, you know, check the value of the properties in the area. Make sure that you're not buying an overpriced house. Make sure you're getting the best value, the best benefit. If you are buying a car, there are certain aspects that dealers will, will throw in, like a tank of petrol, the tires, the mats. Maintenance, maintenance plans. Maintenance plans. Things like that. Things Service like that, plans, yes. Which are quite important, which save you money in the long term. You know, you might pay a higher amount for a car with a maintenance plan rather than buying a car without one because for five years you will be indebted for services and, and maintenance, whereas with a maintenance plan you, you don't have those expenses. So these are the things one needs to consider in terms of negotiating. And that's all in the book. Yes, I guess. Yes, it is. Yes. It is in, it's in that chapter on buying a car and things, yes. the, the value of property and knowing. And in each chapter there's little blocks on the pages with, with your important points and things yes. that you really should know. Yes. And this is why I do like the layout of the book. Although when you look at the book, it looks like there's a lot of words on the page, but there are these little blocks noting the important point. Veloshni, it has been a pleasure having you as a guest. Thank you so much for taking the time immediately after your, your launch. I really am honored that you chose to spend time with me this morning. 
And I thank you for that. And I wish you the best of luck with this book. Thank you very much, Janice. And I wish all the, the, the listeners success in your financial life as well as in your career and your aspirations. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure. To everyone out there, I wish you a fabulous reading week. And always remember, you can let me know what you're reading.